Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. As humans, we love research. I don't know about you, but I'm always listening to podcasts or reading research, especially when it comes to physical stuff like good health, what I should eat, how to exercise. And a lot of people do that. You probably have done that too. And we love knowing what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing when it comes to our health? But there seems to be one area that when we start researching it, people tend to close off and they say, I don't want to know what the research says about that. I would rather turn my head and have a blind eye when it comes to that. What is it? We'll talk about it in just a minute. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show on Marriage Helper Live. My name is Kimberly Holmes. I'm the CEO of Marriage Helper and I'm joined today by our super special guest making a fabulous return. Yes. Amber Nickel. Hey y'all. Because you were so popular last week. So popular. I keep telling her I'm going to be out of a job because she is going to just take over and be super special and everyone loves you. uh, We need you to keep me... In line? Yes, in line. Yes. I can get a little rowdy sometimes. <laughs> I don't no, know. No, but I'm excited to be back. Yeah, excited for you. Joe is speaking out in Washington State this weekend, so he's still traveling. So we are without Dr. Beam, but he's doing some awesome stuff out there. And today we are tackling a topic that is very controversial. And the reason that it can be controversial is because when we talk about this topic, a lot of people get... Um, can get very heated about it. They either personally get defensive because of what has happened in their own life, or they really just don't want to know the negative parts of it because they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to fix what's currently going on. And that topic is co-parenting. And it can bring about some emotions. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So to say, I actually did my master's when I was doing my master's in psychology. I did my final paper on the effects of divorce on children. And it's amazing how even when I was doing that research and when I was talking to people who had personally experienced it, either as the child or as the couple who had divorced, there were all kinds of emotions that people had in this. Either they would get really defensive, they would say, uh, the divorce didn't affect my kids at all, I don't wanna talk about that, I don't wanna know about it. Um, and then people at the opposite end of the spectrum who said, I, I know that it had an amazing effect on my kids, but I didn't know how to handle it exactly. during the time. And so in today's show, what we wanna do is we want to, first of all, I'm gonna go through just some of, I, I picked out some of the research that I thought was most poignant for people to know. I'm not gonna talk about everything because it, I don't have the time. I, I mean, we get off work at five. And so I don't have time. Past we'll condense that. it. We're going to just, we're, yes, some highlights. We're going to condense some of the highlights. And, and then we're going to talk about how, how, what do you do with this now that you know it? Because a lot of times the issues that people feel internally, if they're the mom or the dad and they're experiencing separation or divorce in their own relationship right now, they're saying, I hear all of these things, but what can I do about it? I can't make my spouse care about co-parenting well with me. So what am I supposed to do? So we're going to give you tips of, of what do you do? How, first of all, how can you possibly approach your spouse about agreeing to co-parent well with you? What are some options in that sense? And if that ends up not being able to work out, what are some things you can still do right now in regards to how you communicate with your spouse or your ex-spouse? And most importantly, in regards to how you're communicating with your children. That is so huge. And so we're going to be covering all of that in today's show. It's a lot of ground to cover. A lot. We can do it, though. I love love a good challenge. We can do anything. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go through real quick. I'm going to read off some of the research. Okay. Um, Bear with me. I'm going to put it into the best terms I can. That makes sense. So first of all, in 2012, the United States Census Bureau did a study throughout 
all of the Americans and basically said there were two studies that that echoed both of this, that a million children a year are going to experience the divorce of their parents. A million children a year. On one hand, we can look at that and say, oh my goodness, that's so many. And it is, it absolutely is. On the other hand, we can look at it and say, well, then they're not alone. It's normal. And that's true as well. But typically what happens, especially when people start to hear a statistic like that, is they say, it's normal. They'll get over it. This happens to tons of kids. It's like, you know, breaking an arm. They'll just get over it. They'll, they'll be resilient. That's the word, the word that we use here. And the kids can be resilient. They can be resilient. But just like if a kid were to break his arm, there are things you have to do in order for them to recuperate. You have to maybe get, get the bones set back in. They need a cast. They need to do physical therapy to regain the control and the movement that they used to have in that arm that they do now. And so the things that we're going to be talking about today are just like that. So a kid has gone through something that they had no control over, like their parents separating, their parents divorcing, whatever that might be. But how can we look at that and help them move past it? How can we, as the parents, help them become resilient? Because that is what makes the biggest difference. Absolutely. At the NARMI conference this year, which stands for the National Association of Relationship and Marriage Enrichment, this year they pointed out a ton of research that I'm not going to go into, but one of the ones I found most interesting was that that children know when their parents are legally married but physiologically divorced. Mm. And I found that so interesting going into this because a lot of times we as parents think we can hide this from the kids. We can have our fights behind closed doors, in the car, when we're not with them, and they'll never know the difference. But kids know a lot of things. You probably know this more than I do right now. (laughs) Yes. Well, also, I grew up, um, I've come from a divorced background, Mm -hmm. um, and my parents divorced when I was young, and... um, and so my, my bio- biological father has not been a part of my life for, I don't even know, probably 26 years, 27 mm-hmm. years. Um, but when I was going through the same thing with my husband, mm-hmm. um, that w- I was so sensitive to that. And because they were so young, and even though they couldn't necessarily verbalize everything, mm-hmm. they, could, they knew when we were going to daddy's house. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really understand the full concept, but he, right. they understood the division for sure. How old were they then? They were young. They were young. So my daughter was three months and my son was one at the time. Um, and towards the end, they were then uh, mm-hmm. two and one. And okay. at the end, it was, we're going to daddy's house and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to spend the night at daddy's house and things like that. So he understood at that point in time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the kids, I mean, whatever age they are, and that goes right into the next point that I had, mm-hmm. which is... It's difficult for children, especially dependent on their age, to understand what's happening when there's a separation or a divorce happening, especially when they are elementary school age. So think about those ages five to eight years old, five to nine years old, five to 10 years old even, and they don't really understand what's happening, especially the younger they are. All they know is many times mommy and daddy work together, we had a house together, and now they're separated, and I don't understand what's happening. And especially when they're three, four, five years old and you can't explain to them on a level that they're going to understand because they're not old enough. All they see is they were together, now they're not. And when they don't even have the ability to understand it, we can't expect them to be able to verbalize that to someone else. So a lot of times they say, well, go talk to the school counselor or to a therapist or to whoever, or even to me as your mom or to me as your dad. But they're saying, well, I don't even understand what's happening, so how am I able to talk to you about how I feel about it? Because I'm just confused. Right. And so the younger the kids are, we start to see this. The older the kids are, that's when we start to hear things like, well, they understand what's happening. They can hear us say that we're just not meant to be together, and they'll get it, and therefore they'll cope from that. And while the kids can understand it, we're still seeing in the research that it leads to them doubting their own relationships. Mm -hmm. They, when kids experience the divorce of a parents, they, 75% of them uh, doubt monogamy. They don't believe that there can be a monogamous relationship. They're uh, five times more likely to cohabitate, have premarital sex. All of these things can happen, especially the older the kids are. So there's not really an age where it's a perfect time to separate or a perfect time to divorce. I had a best friend in high school 
best friends. Um, and her parents decided to wait till it was her first semester in college to divorce. And it shook her world. Everything about her changed. Yeah. Everything. And she was 18 years old. Yeah. But every relationship she had after that was she she didn't have any faith in it. She she didn't believe in marriage anymore. I mean, everything about it changed. And then just her personally, the depression she went through, the anxiety, anxiety was a big one. Yeah. It was so. I mean, the change was amazing. And so there's never this perfect age. There's never this perfect time. And then continuing on in the research, we see that the parent-child strain that occurs when a separation or divorce happens leads to the child can start distancing him or herself from the parent that has the least amount of custody. And a lot of times the research started looking into, well, why is this? And a lot of times it's because the mom or the dad who has custody more of the time starts to make the child feel guilty because they're talking bad about their spouse. They're saying how much harm that they've done to the family, all these kinds of things. And therefore the kid is like, well, I don't want to lose the parent that I do I, have a connection with. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to go to dad's house. I don't want to go to mom's house, you know, whichever the non main custodial parent is because they don't want to feel any more guilty. And we're going to talk about how all of this continues um, to relate even more. Um, Furthermore, in 2009, a study was done by Fields, and he reports that a breakdown of the child's relationship with their father soon begins after the marriage dissolves and continues to say that after one year of divorce, 50% of children did not see that fa their father within that year. And in, after 10 years, 64% did not see their father anymore. And a lot of this comes down to the mother typically gets custody, the dad typically remarries, and once that remarriage happens, that first relationship with those children that they had can start to go downhill because Absolutely. they're focusing on, on that new family. Um, and then it says, they continue to say that the children who shared similar interest with the non-custodial parent mm -hmm. was were typically the ones who ended up having a continued connection, but if there's three kids and only one likes to do what their dad or their right. mom likes to do, then the other two are out of it. Absolutely. I have a lot more to do, but I think oh, this I is know. a lot. This is just the tip of this the iceberg. Just the tip She's of just the getting iceberg. warmed up, y'all. Um, but all of it, all of it begins to boil down to this. I mean, we could, I could <laughs> show you so much research about academically how the children are affected, financially, the financial resources that are available to them how that's affected. But let's start, let's look at this just in real life. And you can see how this plays out. If you have a mom and a dad and there's an eight-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter, for example, as soon as the separation starts to occur, most of the time, the children are left with the mom. Mm -hmm. And more than not of that time, um, let's say like 55% versus 45% because women are starting to work more, but most of the time that mom did not have a job before. So now you have two kids who were used to seeing their mom all the time and their dad every evening and morning. And now all of a sudden they only have one parent and that mom needs to get a job. And so that was me. That was you. That was me. Yeah, absolutely. Everything in their world changes. Absolutely. The consistency of their schedule, which if you just look at parenting in general, schedule and routine is a big thing. That is it's huge. Any season, whether it's yeah. newborns to, you know, high schoolers, they all have something going on in life that you have to foster and be in charge of. Yeah. Absolutely. And routine, I mean, people in general, I have a routine. And if I <laughs> get out of that routine, it might pretty. It, no, it's not pretty. <laughs> my my behavior changes. I get irritable, I'm angry. I walk every single morning and if I can't walk in the morning, I it's like I've turned into Cruella Deville. It's bad. I'm not going to say if I've seen it or not, but... <laughs> she has. She, knows she, has. <laughs> she warns me. She warns me. I didn't have my walk. But no, it's right. true. Yeah, routine there's is so routine. Just as humans, we like routine. And so you look at these kids. In this situation, it's an eight and a three-year-old. Now, they might have to go to a before-school program, an after-school program. Grandparents. Grandparents. So they're starting to see different... And we're thinking about all of this through the eyes of the child. 
they're starting to see difference in who's taking care of them and the kind of discipline they're receiving. All of these things are changing. They're not seeing their mom as much and their dad typically every other weekend. That's the way that it starts looking. And so then we start adding into that that there used to be two, maybe like that one income, which is now turned into child support. Absolutely. And so then the mom's trying to work. And if she didn't have a job before, she's just now going back into the work field. It's hard. And then it's hard for the mom to be there emotionally for the kids at the end of the day. Because if even as the adult, as you're walking through this separation or mm-hmm. divorce, if you yourself can't manage it or yeah. navigate it, how can you expect a child right. to? And that's the guilt that I was navigating mm-hmm. and so many other parents that I talk to on a daily basis, they feel the same way mm-hmm. of they want to protect their children, but it's still happening. We, yeah. There's no pause button. No. So, but yeah, I get yeah. it. And so this is why I get so worked up about it because it is so hard for the moms, for the dads, for the kids. I mean, all of, none of it is easy. And so I'm not getting worked up about it. I mean, it, it makes me angry in the sense that I wish that every parent when a separation or divorce was occurring, that's your choice. That is the choice of the people who are married to divorce or separate. And fine. I mean, if that's what they end up wanting to do, that's what they end up wanting to do. But what I am passionate about, focus on the kids. Like you can't just say the kids are going to be okay and not have an active plan in how that's going to happen. And that is what we want to help parents do. Like the parents that are watching this today, you're probably sitting there thinking, I get it because I'm the one who's wanting to try and work on it. I'm the one who's wanting to try and make this happen. I get that there's all of these things that could happen uh, with the kids, educationally, all that kind of stuff. They're, the violence and all of that stuff, that's not what we want to quote unquote, beat you over the head with today because you get it and you don't want that to happen to your kids. And that's what I love. The parents who are saying, I want to be proactive. I care about my kids so much that I want to know about this. I want to know what I can do to make it better. My heart is with you and my heart is for you. And we want to help you absolutely the best way we can. Um, Because the worst thing that can happen, and multiple research studies have shown this, is that if the parents decide to divorce due to high levels of conflict in the marriage, so the parents are saying, let's go back to the eight and three-year-old, all they see is us fighting. Mm -hmm. It's not good for the kids. We'd be happier elsewhere. We'd be happier with other people, all that kind of stuff. So we should just divorce. But more times than not, what ends up happening is they divorce and they still have the high levels of conflict. They never worked that out. And that study after study after study shows is the worst thing that a child can see. Their parents divorced and they still have conflict because then the kids go into their next relationship and they've never seen something be worked out. Right. Because they've they couldn't put it. their differences aside. They couldn't exactly. communicate or hear. Exactly. And that, this, this is all resonating with me. I mean, and I know so many other parents, but mm-hmm. everything you're saying is just like spot on for what I experienced in that year as well. Because that was yeah. John's excuse of, yeah. well, we need, we, they need to have peace. They need to have safety. Mm-hmm. But if we couldn't establish that together in the home, we aren't about to start that, you know, as two separate right. households. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And if you want more on Amber's story, last week's podcast that she did with Dr. Joe was so good. I listened to it yesterday as I was walking. (laughs) So so for more information on that, go back to last week's podcast on Marriage Radio. You can find it on Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. Yeah. Or on Facebook Live. You can go back to last week's episode. Absolutely. It was really good. Um, And so, yeah, you, you personally lived it. It's like how, I mean, there's still that hurt, that anger. And just because you separate doesn't mean any of that is resolved, is going away. None of it's going away. Amber, what are the things that you see? Because you talk to people mm-hmm. day after day after day Absolutely. that are contacting Marriage Helper, and this is a huge issue. Right. What are, kind of things are people saying to you? The, the question that I get asked the most is, should I let my children around the affair partner? And granted, I do realize that not everybody reaching out to Marriage Helper, it's a situation where there is an affair, but that is... A prominent question yeah. that I get. Um, the other question is, um, you know, 
it's really specifics. You know, little Johnny is doing bad in school or they got in trouble with a kid at school and my, my spouse doesn't want to show up to the parent-teacher conference and how do I make them be involved? Mm. It's, it's really a lot of those little specific mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think regardless of the, the specific, sorry, specificity of the questions, there's a general kind of rules of engagement mm-hmm. that I know you're going to kind of cover um, today. Mm-hmm. But that's what I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. So the people that are contacting you, mm-hmm. are they asking, and I, I don't know, so that's why I'm asking, <laughs> I'm not trying to set you up. Are they asking for things like, how can I get them to co-parent? I don't think they would word it like that, but how can I get them to co-parent with me? Well, I think a lot of the times is they're saying, how do I get them to see the the detriment? How do mm. I get them to see the weight, yeah. the burden, the chaos that their actions are causing? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the biggest theme yeah. that um, th- there's different angles they're coming at it, yeah. but they're all kind of asking the same question. Yeah. So with the majority of these people, and if you're watching and you have the ability and you feel comfortable sharing what your situation is, you know, we would love to be able to address what the viewers and the listeners are experiencing as well. But in these situations, do they typically have a spouse who is saying the things like we've been saying earlier, like the kids are going to be okay. I don't need, you know, we don't need to do anything special. Is that kind of the reason that they're not engaging? I I think so. I think that's also also just avoiding. They they have enough going on um, with the new life that they're trying to set out for, whatever new goals they have professionally or if it's with a new partner. um, It just doesn't feel like a priority. But deep down, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but normally we say your spouse is probably a good person making a temporary bad decision. And and so while their actions aren't reflecting that they love their children, we don't ever want to attack and say, well, you don't. You don't love your child. Right. I don't ever want to make that assumption. No, absolutely right. Absolutely not. We don't want to make that that assumption at all. And just like Amber was saying, which is so spot on, a lot of these are temporary. Yeah. And even in the research that I was reading over the past few days about this, just brushing up on it, again and again we see how people are saying when there's the the initial separation or the initial part of divorce, you know, that's, that's hard. It's hard because it's new for the kids. It's new for the parents. But most of the time it's not the parents not thinking, I don't love my kids. And therefore that's why I'm moving out. However, that's how the child internalizes it. If you look at an eight-year-old or a three-year-old and all of a sudden they just see that their mom or their dad is leaving and moving out, they're telling themselves a story. And whether or not you have said these words to them or not, they're starting to believe things like, it must be me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were happy before, and maybe the three-year-old especially, you know, they were happy before, now they're gone, it must be me. Or the eight-year-old saying, I've heard them fighting, and it's been ever since I've come along, and I've heard them say before that parenting is so hard, and now they're separating, it must be me. And so the way that this begins to affect them later in life is, I don't matter. I, you know, people don't care about me. I'm, I'm a burden. I'm a, I'm a burden. All of these kinds of things. Because when we, we can look at other situations of a parent being gone, like death or deployment mm. or incarceration, when one parent is no longer available. But in each of those situations, it's not a choice. And when it comes down to that parent chose to leave me, they chose to go and find another family. They chose to, they believed that they would be happier without me in their life. I mean, that is the way that the kid can see it and the way that many kids do see it. And so those are the things that we, the first of all, the awareness just being there of Start filtering things through, how is this affecting my kid? How could this be affecting my child? How this action, I might not mean it this way, but how are they internalizing it? Just as a starting point. Just as a starting point. But even if you get to the point of maybe you really are demonstrating the safe place, smart contact Mm -hmm. pies, Mm -hmm. which again is just a generalization of the things that we need to Mm -hmm. kind of get get in the uh, routine of, of standing for your marriage and, mm-hmm. and being a parent. But maybe your spouse really is 
is angry Mm -hmm. and maybe they are the root of what the dynamic is at that point in time and it's contentious you Mm -hmm. know co-parenting it's still not your job to convey the message that Mm. saying you're the problem Mm -hmm. um now that may be the truth but i hear a lot of people saying well it really is my spouse and sometimes i'm listening in and i've know i've heard the stories and i've been following the stories and i can pick up and go yeah that that probably is a big factor (laughs) but it's still not your job to say this is your fault Mm -hmm. um that's good i mean it's it sounds simple but it's it's a something that a lot of people get tripped up on. Yep. It's like, well, I need to be the messenger. No, right now you need to love your child and protect them mm. and be their best advocate. That is so good. Because you're dealing with two, two different, different things Absolutely. Here. So you have the parent-parent relationship that whether or not you're divorced or separated, there's still if you have a child together, you're always going to have some kind of relationship. We're going to talk about that. And then you have the parent-child relationship. You have your relationship with the child, and then there's the other parent's relationship with the child. And we're going to talk about that. But let's start with the parent-to-parent relationship. Yeah. So um, if I'm the mom, my husband's the dad, clearly, uh, (laughs) then we have, you know, and if we start to separate and let's say that there's been um, something, let's say there's been an affair, for example, and let's say he's the one that's had the affair. So he's had the affair. He's out. I'm angry. I am blaming him for everything. This is all his fault because he's the one who had the affair. I mean, none of this is what I'm thinking is is wrong. Like, it's not right. bad for me to be thinking these and feeling right. these things. It's normal. But I'm, I've villainized him. I Part of me is going to want to try and get him back for what he's done. So I'm probably more likely in the, in the divorce process to be extra angry yeah. beyond what is necessary to save your marriage. But like, I just, I want him to pay for what he's done. Right. And so I'm doing all this. We have our kids. Um, let's say our kids are four and one and a half and they're seeing this. They're seeing all of a sudden mom isn't happy anymore. Mom's not playing with us anymore. She's, I hear her on the phone yelling when dad is around, then she's not wanting to talk to him anymore. So the kids are seeing all of this happen. And let's say that after they go and spend a weekend with their dad and then they come back, that I'm asking them, well, what did you do? How, what did he do with you? Was he, did he put you to bed at night? And I'm starting to interrogate my children about how their dad parented them while he was gone. So they're starting to feel like there's something, like there's something major wrong here. And I feel like if I say something wrong, then I'm going to get, I'm betraying my my parent, one parent, and then you're feeling anxiety because you also don't want to lie. You don't want anybody yeah, to get in trouble. Exactly. You just want to be loved. So you're putting these little children, no matter what their age is, in this position where they don't have a win-win. There's no win-win for them. So if we start by addressing the parent-to-parent relationship, the in all of the research, the first thing, the best thing that you can do is forgive. We talk about in our workshop that we do for marriages about forgiveness, how it's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a choice that you make. It's not something you prepare to get ready to, (laughs) you know, I'm just going to wait until I feel like it. And we talk about that at our workshop. So I'm not going to talk about that much here, but forgiveness changes everything. Because if I'm able to forgive my husband and say what he did was wrong, what he did hurt me, it hurt our kids, and he's still doing it but I'm going to forgive him because it's going to change my heart and my attitude, which in your focus and my focus, because you're not, you're not focusing on Mm -hmm. that burden or that weight. And again, it's the, the hurt is real. We're not marginalizing any of that by any means. Um, but at least your focus can be productive at this point, which is your children and, and thriving in life, Mm -hmm. um, instead of just surviving and, and carrying this baggage around. Yep. So that's so good. So that forgiveness and whether or not you are even having a communi- a talking kind of communication where you're able to talk or you see each other in person, anything like that, even if that's not there, you can forgive from anywhere at any time. Like, yeah. It is accessible to you <laughs> now. Free of charge. Free of charge. Um, but then that leads into that next part of the communication. I mean, in the studies that we said, like the one of if the parents continue to have high conflict and divorce, that's the worst thing for the kids. You might be thinking, well, how can we work on our conflict when they won't talk to me? I can't get them to answer the phone. I can't get them to meet me in person. 
maybe we see each other for two seconds when yeah. we swap, swap kids out the kids. The yeah. But what am I supposed to do there? What should they do, Amber? Ooh. Well, again, first of all, um, you, sorry, let me start over. I tell a lot of people this, is that you need to seek to understand, not be understood. Mm, a lot of good. people go into a conversation of, well, I'm going to make this clear. I'm going to let them know what's going on, and I'm going to let them know how their decisions, again, are affecting the children or even my life. And if you, you can go into the conversation like that. It's not going to be a long conversation because they're probably going to shut down or shut you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they do hear you, it's, it's just going to be full of frustration on mm-hmm. both sides. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but again, I, we talk a lot about this as I'm talking about this from my experience and through my lens is that to consult an attorney, not to, not to hire an attorney, not to file for anything, but simply educate yourself. And I hear a lot of people jumping in to situations or agreements because they don't want their spouse angry at them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want any more frustration. They want to minimize the arguments. And we don't want you to shut your spouse out. Um, but just to know how can we operate in a way that's not just healthy for me, but the children, because yeah. that's the priority. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so sometimes having just a third party figure out how can we set times mm-hmm. up with the children. Um, because I, a lot of the times I can understand, I felt like the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and I didn't mind taking the blame because I knew I was always, okay, we need to get them from point A to point B, get them to doctor's appointments or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever things like that. Mm-hmm. And I knew at the end of the day, um, my spouse did love the children. Yeah. I did know that. I didn't see it demonstrated in the way that I would have liked to, but I did, I did know that. Yeah. And so I couldn't let my feelings misconstrue how they spent their time yeah. or didn't spend their time with their dad. Yeah. And so that's so important that you are so c- conscious of every time you make a decision for the children, is this based on my needs and my wants mm. or their needs and their wants? That's so good. That is so good. Like if I had a Twitter account, <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I would and, tweet And that's what we're talking about. You know, sometimes when we talk about these things, I know yeah. it's like, well, yeah, I know. I care about my kids. But it's sometimes it's right. heat of the moment, you yeah. know, you're at pick up and drop off. And I have 30 seconds to ask my spouse this question yep. and you know, this is the one time and then it just escalates. Yep. And so it's, it's, again, you have to be proactive and mm-hmm. not reactive. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And, and again, like we said earlier, it's hard because you're dealing with your own emotions, your own hurt, your own betrayal and to keep it together in front of the kids can be even harder because in one sense, every time you look at your kids, it reminds you their dad's not here, their mom's not here. But one of the amazing things that comes from it is when you're able to work on it. And that doesn't mean that you never let your kids see you cry. There's a healthy balance to this of your kids seeing you work through the emotions because that's going to help them learn how to work through the emotions. But the way that you view your spouse. I mean, choosing to start viewing them, realizing they they do love them. They're not acting like it right now. I know they love the kids. I'm going to forgive them. And it will change the way you interact with your spouse, especially in front of your kids and about the kids. And in line with that, in terms of how to go parent to parent. So we talked about that forgiveness, that communication, offering the communication, keeping your spouse in the loop about what's happening with the kids, even if they're not responding. Absolutely. Yes. At least make the effort. It never mm-hmm. hurts to be kind right. and respectful. Right. And again, you said, well, what do people call in and ask about? Mm-hmm. Um, it's no matter what the specific situation is, is again, it never hurts to be kind and respectful. Mm-hmm. And just those two little words are just like reminding yourself that, mm-hmm. that tends to kind of eliminate those roadblocks, those yep. mental roadblocks. Yep. Absolutely. So if we had to say two things for you to work on parent to parent, for you to work on with your husband or your wife, no matter what the situation is, separated, divorced, in the middle of a divorce, first, it's that forgiveness. And that second part is soften in your communication and let them keep them in the loop. Talk to them, send them the the soccer video of the first goal. Even yeah. if they don't respond, you're doing your part yeah. in keeping them involved. And then, you know, being civil at that, at drop-offs, at any time you see each other, especially for the kids, but also for for you. And then that kind of goes into this next part of, okay, so parent to child, 
if the other spouse isn't involved right now for whatever reason? Um, what can you do as the primary parent for your kids? And this is the time where parent instinct can kind of set in. When you see a spouse who's doing something that's hurtful or harmful behavior, first, you do need to keep your, your kids safe, of course. If there's, you know, alcoholism, drug use, things like that, then, then you need to handle that probably differently than what I'm about to say. But you want parent to child, you want to encourage your kids to be with their with their dad or their mom who's not there as much as they feel comfortable doing it. Um, you don't want to use the children as pawns or to that's, try and... Whew, that's a big one I hear yeah. a lot. Sorry not to, to get off topic. Go but for that, it. No, I mean, that's just one I hear a lot um, is, I, is first of all, you know, you need to lead by example. Mm. You lead by example not only when in the parent-to-parent interaction, mm-hmm. um, you demonstrate that with your chi- with your child. Yep. Um, so it's coping and, and, and encouraging them to, to spend time with mom and dad. It's okay. Um, that's only going to foster healthier relationships, especially if your spouse isn't encouraging the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but using the children as a pawn mm-hmm. or when somebody is calling in and they're saying they want to get to the workshop, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, I'm going to offer more parenting time. That, my heart, I tell them, my, my heart's pitter-pattering right now. Like, don't oh, do that. No. You know, that keep them out of yeah. the picture, in, at least in terms of that. Right. Anything else is up for grabs, but don't use yeah. the children. No, no, not at all. I mean, the ideal, if the divorce occurs, is that the kids would have equal amount of times with parents and Absolutely. that their their environment in each household would be similar in terms of rules, in terms of discipline, in terms of schedule. I mean, that's the best thing for the kids, which goes back parent to parent, good communication. Um, and we, we can help with that communication. Our workshop can absolutely help with that. But even just going back to the, to that parent child, you don't want to use them as a pawn to your spouse, but you also don't want them to feel like they're stuck in the middle Mm. ever at all. Um, or like we said earlier with what the research was showing, we don't want them to feel like they, have to feel guilty or have to hide things like I had fun with my dad but I don't want to tell mom because she's gonna make me feel bad and she's gonna cry and she's gonna ask me why she's not as fun as dad and those are the things we don't want to do to our kids as parents we want to encourage them to go and have fun and to say positive things about the other parent in front of them only positive things about them and if they have questions like well why is daddy with another woman I mean, that's hard. Like, it's that's hard. That's tough stuff, absolutely. It is tough stuff, but you still shouldn't say because he's a dirty, low-down man <laughs> who has no thoughts or feelings about... For anybody else. Yeah, you yeah. you know, saying something like, and I've never had to say this, you probably know more about this than I do. Uh, yeah. How would you say, how would you tell your kids about that? Well, so when I was standing for my marriage... Um, Again, nothing looked like my husband was coming back. Um, he was out of the home for a long, an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had always told myself, like, if I just, if I get to the workshop, I need closure and clarity for myself and for my children. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I'd always kind of thought about what I was going to tell my kids one day when they were old enough. But I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was always going to tell them, "Mommy and Dad, them, Daddy loved them." Mm-hmm. And the thing is that I didn't even know if my husband was going to be in the picture after the divorce. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know if he was going to go off and live mm-hmm. with this other woman and raise, you know, her child. Right. So, but for me, it was, especially coming from divorce, mm-hmm. um, my mom did do an amazing job and, and my, I don't even like to say my stepdad because he's my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really did an amazing job of just ensuring me that I was cared about and loved and I had that stability. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so I was trying to honestly just walk it out like my mom did. That's good. That's so good. Because you saw it. Yeah, no, because I mean, I saw it demonstrated. For you. And I was old enough. I was I was about four and five mm-hmm. when it happened. So I do remember, you know, what yeah. happened growing up. Right. And then allowing the opportunity and the, the space for your children to come and talk to you. So you can't force them. Just like you can't make your spouse want to work on co-parenting well. <laughs> you can't make your kids talk to you if if they don't want to. But offering the space and the opportunity for it. Um, you know, acknowledging, hey, you might have questions right now. And if you ever want to come to me, I'm here for you. And then if they do, 
it might be hurtful to hear some of the questions or some of the things that they're feeling. Well, I feel like ever since mommy left, you don't spend time with me anymore. And that can be hurtful to hear. And as a parent, you might start to get defensive and say, well, don't you see that I'm working two jobs and I'm just trying to make ends meet and I'm trying to do the best I can for you. And while all of it is true and you are, and this is why it's so hard, that's not what your kids need right now. They need physical time with you too. They need that opportunity to know they can come and ask you anything and that you're not going to make them feel bad for the questions that they ask, even though they might be hard to hear. Um, but just allowing that time and that space for them. I do have a quick question. Go. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people are wondering, well, my spouse wants to sit down with the children and mm. let them know that we're going to separate or there's going to be a divorce. Mm -hmm. And most of you watching, you're the spouse going, I don't agree with this. I don't mm -hmm. want anything to, I don't, I don't want any part of this. Mm -hmm. And do I sit there and just, just let them talk? Do I just sit there and let them just tell the children or, you know, how should they handle that? Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, because I know that's a, that is a burning question that, that mm -hmm. I get a lot. That's a good question. Yeah. <clears throat> My first thought would be to try and, um, control the delivery. <laughs> so, and what I mean by that is if I'm the one who doesn't want it to end, then what I don't want is for just my husband to sit down and me not be there because yeah. I don't know what he's going to say, how he's going to say it, any of that stuff. So I, the best thing you can do is come to terms together on here's how we're going to talk about it to the kids. Here's what we're going to say. Um, and that, which if you already don't have a healthy relationship with your spouse, if you're already fighting all that kind of stuff um, can be difficult in and of itself. But just like you were saying, a lot of kids don't understand divorce. And even when they're older, when they're 16, when they're 18, I saw someone's yeah. comment come in saying, well, what if they're grown children? I mean, it doesn't matter the age, whatever age you are, when you hear your parents are about to divorce, it's ground shaking. And, and especially because there's a lot of unknowns. Like yes. there's just this word divorce, right. but what does that really mean? Like they don't, right. they don't know how to grapple with exactly. that. Exactly. And so instead of, I wouldn't, and this is just me, I wouldn't make it my priority to make sure they know about uh, that we're getting a divorce. My priority would be, here's how life is about to look different. Mm. Here, But here's what you can expect. You can expect that, you know, we're not going to be together anymore. Um, and again, like I, I don't feel qualified to say exactly how it should be worded in that sense. Well, like, I think that, I think the specific question that they ask is, sh do I have to sit there and say, I agree with mommy or daddy? Because there's, as the spouse, you're going, I don't agree with the separation. I don't agree with this divorce. So do I really have to sit there down with my, you know, sit down with my really spouse? it really depends on the age. Yeah. It's situational. Yeah. I age really, and yeah. things like that. And yes. And that's fair enough to say. I was just curious because I do get that a lot. Because you also don't want it to come across to the kids like, because you're at that point, really with the kids, you want to worry about the family. Mm. And when you're trying to defend the fact that you don't want the marriage to end, that's, that's one thing. And that can start getting into that personal, like, you know, is it really worth me defending that to my kids right now? Right. Um, or is it more important for us to talk about how we're going to continue to be a family, how I still want you know, we still want them to be dad to be a part of our lives, for mom to be a part of our lives, you know, that kind of. And what does routine look like? Absolutely. From this point establishing forward? a routine or mm -hmm. even if you're still, you know, hazy on the details as as right. the parents. But if there's, a, you know, like somewhat of a skeleton, these mm -hmm. are the few things that we can't agree on. So we're going to be at all the kids activities together, um, you know, and knowing that they're going to be cheered on and, and things like that. Right. Just those little things. If there's some type of like nuggets that you can throw out, yeah. at least start there. Yeah. Um, and I know it doesn't feel like a lot, but this is how the process works. You yeah. have to start small and then you can kind of work I don't from think there. it can ever be an easy, I don't think there's ever a way to make it any easier. It's, right. that's always hard. But again, if we look at the research and we see that the conflict and kids continuing to see conflict is what's so hurtful, then making sure you're not in conflict when you're telling the kids <laughs> about it, that you're not sitting there fighting about it because that'll make everything worse, um, letting them know that they're loved. It's not their fault. And that's not going to be the only time you need to say that. You're going to have to make sure that they feel loved in the way that they need to feel loved and that they hear that it's not their fault and you still love them hundreds of times. I mean, that needs to be something that's just continual throughout 
the relationship with them, not just the first couple of times after the divorce or whatever, even years later. I love you so much. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's no, so important to yes, reinforce that. It's I mean, that's so all we important. can say is that just mm-hmm. that's a constant no matter what. Yep, absolutely. Constant no matter what. Have we been getting any questions in? We have. We've been getting a few in and I kind of stumbled through these last week. So I apologize, y'all. Um <laughs> But um, somebody was asking, how, how do you handle this with adult children? Mm, yeah. And so I have some close family friends, mm-hmm. and, and they walked through this. So after um, 40 years of marriage, the, well, I guess I would consider them grandparents now, um, but, you know, they were probably 65 years of age at that time, um, the, the wife decided to leave the family mm. and the marriage. And so at this point, she has grown children, and it was a lot of people say, well, they're older and they know how to cope. Right. It, it, it broke the grown children. You know, mm-hmm. they were in their thir- their thirties and late thirties. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I do know that the father did his best to be like, this is your mother. We love your mother, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she wasn't coming around, she wasn't a part of holidays and mm-hmm. things like that. But how do you do it? You do it with kindness and respect. Mm-hmm. It just goes back to that. And there's yeah. probably more, but those for me are like the two most necessarily yeah. rules of engagement. Yeah. Um, because anything else, you're just going to, you, you kind of start going down a windy path. Yeah. And you can kind of goof. Yeah. And especially with adult children, I think that the temptation to speak bad about mm. the other spouse. So, you know, if it was my grown children talking to me about it, the temptation to talk bad about my husband because they can understand. Absolutely. And there comes a point where your kids turn into your friends. Absolutely. And so keeping that in check too and encouraging them if they're angry. And I think that woman said, you know, my kids don't want to talk to my husband. They want to avoid it. But encouraging them as much as you can to, hey, I do encourage you to tell dad about this, how you feel. And if you don't want to, I'm not going to make you. But I do encourage, like continuing to encourage that line of communication with the other parent is important as well. But again, it doesn't change anything else we've talked about in the sense of letting them know they're loved. What is routine and schedule going to be like from this point forward? Holidays, seeing grandkids, all of those kinds of things still apply here. And so those things need to be thought about and addressed. Um, You know, when you look at at all of the things we've been talking about, just like Amber said many times so far, it all goes back to being proactive. So just because one of my favorite quotes and ways to think about this is just because a marriage ends does not mean that the family ends. The family is going to continue to go on in one way or another. And so that is the way you need to be thinking about this. The marriage might be over, the family's not. So how can I make sure that the kids continue, no matter what their age is, to feel included, to feel loved, to have some sense of normalcy? All of those kinds of things are what we want to focus on and prioritize. No, I I can't add anything to that. Um, somebody else was mentioning, um, how do I convince my spouse, which is what we kind of talked mm-hmm. about earlier, how yeah. do I convince my spouse that they are the one causing the most conflict? that they are the one who's the most contentious at this point. I don't know about you, but anytime I've tried to convince (laughs) Rob, who's my husband, that he is the one doing the thing that he doesn't like happening or whatever, like in this situation, if I'm like, well, you're the problem, you're the one who starts the fights with me or whatever it might be, it's never worked. I mean, it's never actually... Why not, Kimberly? Yeah, he's never had this light bulb moment of like, you're right, I'm the cause of all of our frustrations and problems. Um, No, not that he is. But you you get what I'm saying. Like, if you try and convince someone of something like that, they're going to get defensive. It's just what we do as humans. Just like I'd be like that if he tried to tell me. I'd be like, turn the mirror on you, you know, start looking. And so it can be really frustrating um, to say but I'm not doing anything wrong. But where I would start is, again, focusing on you, focusing on your behaviors, how you're coming across, all of those kinds of things, making sure that that you're being the best you can be and the way that you're responding and the way that you're graceful and acting and things like that. Um, And then when opportunity arises, so for example, if it's the, um, you know, the husband's causing the conflict, like, Um, then when an opportunity comes that it's not a high conflict time, um, maybe you're all having dinner together as a family and it was a really good time and you just ended it 
and your husband's about to go home, then that might be when everyone's calm, a good time to turn and say, hey, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks, it seems like every time that we talk, we end up fighting and I, I don't like that. So what can I do to make that better? So that when you're saying it like that, you're raising it as a problem. Like this is a concern of mine, it's a frustration, but you're doing it at a time where you haven't just had the fight or you're in the <laughs> middle of it. And then you're saying, how can I make, like, what do I need to do to make that better? So you're starting it with myself, like, tell me. And I, I don't know if this is the right word, but I say some type of humility. Yeah, and it's good. And a lot of people think that, well, if I do that, I'm a doormat. But right. just coming, not at them, but right. like to them and saying, what, yeah. what can I do? What can I communicate better? What, how yep. can I listen better? Yep. Or problem solve yep. or navigate, et cetera. And so many times when, especially when someone's relaxed in the conversation, they'll be like, well, what can I do to make it better? Yeah. And that's your opportunity not to say, oh, well, here's my laundry list, yeah. but your opportunity to say, you know, it would be really nice if there is something that we're disagreeing about. Um, if I'm just able to say, hey, can we take a 10 minute break or, you know, a two day break and come <laughs> back to this so that we don't, so I don't feel like you're trying to push me to make a decision now. I mean, yeah. whatever that might be, you're starting to set up rules of engagement outside of the conflict happening. And you want to do that at a time when it's not in the middle of conflict. I mean, that's, that's the best time to do it. So that's going to look different for every situation, for any, for every marriage. Uh, but that's kind of the foundational rules and ways that I would start with that. No, that's great. I have at least one more question Please. I want to sneak in. Um, so somebody wrote in and they said that their spouse has basically gone from saying, go find an apartment to the next day things are perfectly normal. Mm. They do have an eight-year-old son and they're possibly going to have the conversation that there is going to be some type of separation, but then maybe not because mm. it's it's so touch and go. What is the effect on her son or their son and why is her spouse going through such extremes? That is what she's asking. I have no clue why her spouse. We would probably would be need more specifics. <laughs> yes. You know, it really is there an affair? Is there you right. know what else? What you know, what's happening? playing into this? Yep. And that, and that's again, that's why I love marriage helper. Is it mm -hmm. doesn't? At the end of the day, we can pick everything apart, but it doesn't matter what got us to this point. Yep. When you're doing the online class or when you're working with a coach, um, it's how do you respond to. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's almost like this blanket. And it's not this one quick fix, mm -hmm. but it is necessarily, again, or again, it's just this rule book of what do I do no matter what. Because sometimes mm -hmm. people call in and they're saying, well, I don't know if there's an affair. Or mm -hmm. I, they, there used to be some form of addiction, mm -hmm. and I don't know if they're back into that. Mm -hmm. How do I engage mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis? And so that's why it's so necessary that you're, you're working through those materials or even yeah. the free resources because the rules of engagement don't change. Right, right. Whatever's playing into this. So the right. safe place, smart contact. Because again, if you're leading by example, mm -hmm. if you're being calm and kind and respectful, I understand maybe not right now, it doesn't feel like it's paying off. Mm -hmm. It's, you're planting these, these little seeds. Yep. And once consistency is seen, they may not verbalize it, but they notice it, I yep. promise. My husband even told me after coming back, he did realize this shift inconsistency of going, oh, this isn't a temporary change. This is a true transformation. Um, f that's the short-term answer is we don't know why, but that is what needs to be established no matter what is causing him to do this. Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And I, I completely agree with that. The only thing I would add with this question of how could this be affecting my son is if he's hearing this, if he's hearing the constant back and forth, if it's happening in an open area mm -hmm. and he's having one day he's, he's like, whoa, what, what? And then the next day it's fine. Then of course he knows something is going on. And so in that sense, I would again, go to him, give him the opportunity to ask questions. Even when you're, I mean, these rules apply for if you are still married and you're living together, but you have high conflict all of these things are the same, then, you know, we want to make sure, like you said, that we're modeling good behaviors for our kids. And we want to make sure we give them the opportunity to come to us, to ask us questions. And overall, that they know you love them. And if you're in a situation right now, this isn't going to back to that comment, but just in general, if you're in a situation right now where your spouse is gone, and they're not talking to the kids and they miss visitations and all of that's happening, then again, it's your opportunity to step up and to be there even more for your kids. And that can be very draining when everything else is on your plate, but it's also 
such an honor if I if I could say that like when you're when you're able to parent your children mm. when they're that heartbroken and when they're going through all of those emotions I mean that that's that's a good like that's good parenting that yeah. is your chance to make a lifelong change and transformation in their future and Absolutely. then and all of those things it's so, easy to love them on the mm-hmm. side of a soccer field or at a yep. ballet performance yeah but Another way you demonstrate love mm. is n- helping them navigate and also just being that safe place to land, that pillow. Yes. And, and that's huge and essential. So huge. Um, so so huge. I have goosebumps right now. I know. I you, have, you're so, you have such an awesome mama heart. But really, y'all, um, mm. it's, it's not fair. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing is a lot of people call in going, this isn't fair. Yeah. Nothing at Marriage Helper. We never said it's fair. What we did mm-hmm. say is that it's possible. Oh, it's, good. it's possible to navigate through this. It's so good. Um, it doesn't feel like it, but it is the truth. That and that's why truth. we're here today to really, Absolutely. you know, share that yeah. and reiterate that. Absolutely. So. Amber, I want to end by asking you, so what would you tell people if they're sitting here, we talk about the workshop, they hear about it, they have no clue how to talk to their spouse about it, how to get their spouse to agree to go in co-parenting and an affair and whatever it might be, what would you say to someone? What do you say to people when they call and when you talk to them of how do I approach my spouse about the workshop? And we'll talk about the workshop here, but this can be applicable to coaching, either the marriage coaching we do or marriage counseling, which if you're going to do counseling, please listen to our other podcast about that and find a good one. Research, research, research. Research, <laughs> research people. Yes. We've heard too many horror stories to just... Yeah. recommend counseling on a, yeah. on the fly. Absolutely. Do your research. But what would you, how would you talk to those people through that? So two-part answer. Mm-hmm. So just recently I had somebody um, in the past few months, they reached out, they were gung-ho, like day one, I'm getting to the workshop. And I hadn't even really talked to her about the workshop. And she's like, I'm getting to the workshop one way or another, the other. But then when bringing it up to her spouse, of course, there was an immediate roadblock. And so we, she, or sorry, so then her spouse said, well, I'm willing to sit down with a counselor so we can figure out how to communicate with the children about the situation and all the things that are entailed in a divorce and separation. And so they ended up, instead of going to a counselor in their local area, they met with one of our coaches on staff. And they're actually working with them right now. And they are troubleshooting some of the um, specifics of the day-to-day of how do mom Mm -hmm. and dad communicate, interact, how do we talk to the kids about these certain things. But again, her long-term goal is to get to the workshop. Mm -hmm. But... But at the same time, they're being equipped with with what they need to be equipped right now. And sometimes people don't consider that as, mm-hmm. well, there's only the workshop. There is the workshop. Um, but sometimes when, it, when a spouse is working with a coach, it really puts them at ease. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that the coach isn't making them necessarily realize that they want to work on the marriage, but they're putting them at ease with who we are and what, they, what we do. Yeah. So once they get to the workshop or they'll reconsider going to the workshop, there's this fear is eliminated. Yep. That's and good. so once we can kind of overcome that obstacle, that's mm-hmm. huge. So that's something to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of working with a, a local provider that you don't know if there's a success rate right. behind what they're doing or if they're equipped, again, yeah. they may have great hearts and great intentions, but good intentions don't equal good results. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second part of that is being neutral. I always tell people that neutrality is key when bringing up the workshop. So many people before they call in or even after they call in, um, and I get on to a lot of y'all about it, is that you will talk to your spouse. I do. They're all like my babies. I can't help it. <laughs> my other children. And, um, and so what you'll do is you'll run to your spouse and go, guess what? I found this workshop um, and, you know, kind of share all the stats and what, how we can help. And your spouse has left the home, filed for divorce. You may already be divorced. And they've said, look, I don't love you or care for you for whatever reason. Mm. And so again, you are pushing your agenda on them. That is a push behavior. And again, you know, we encourage you to seek to understand, not be understood. So don't push your mission on them. Be neutral and say, look, I respect how you feel. I understand that this is where you're at in terms of our marriage and relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, you know, clarity, closure, Um, we can figure out how to better communicate, not just with each other, but children, because again, there's birthdays, weddings, Mm -hmm. graduations, grandbabies. And for some of you, that's right now. And for some of us, including myself, that's 15, 20 years down the line. Mm -hmm. But 
you don't want to be those parents, God forbid that a divorce does happen, mm -hmm. but you also want to be those parents at that birthday in the corner fighting. And I have been to those parties before mm -hmm. and it's uncomfortable for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're doing that in public, God only knows what you're doing at a pickup and drop off and it's soccer practice mm -hmm. and things like that. So again, neutrality is key. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm kind of going on about this, but it's so important. And sometimes people feel weird about that because they're saying, well, I'm not being honest if I'm sharing what I want. And it's okay to say, look, ideally, I would love for our marriage to work out. You know, in a perfect world, I would love for that to be the case, but I understand that's not where you're at and I respect that. And telling somebody that you respect how they feel does not mean that you agree with them. Mm. And that's when I, when I reiterate that, because it's not something that I came up with, it's something that Marriage Helper even taught me, but I re reiterate that a lot because a lot of people feel like they, they've buckled or folded. Yeah. If, if I say I respect how they feel, you're not respecting their actions. It's saying, I respect you as an individual and that you're entitled to your own feelings. Yep. And so that is huge in bringing up the workshop. And if you want to figure out like leverage or you want to practice or rehearse, call, call us, call Johnny, Aaron, Mark, or anybody, just call, just call us and we'll kind of, you know, be a good soundboard mm -hmm. of saying, yeah, that's great. Or, you know, I would reconsider this or is, are you really being neutral? Yeah. So that's what I would say. That's so good. So when it comes to them actually asking their spouse, mm -hmm. will you do this with me? Mm -hmm. What are the things? So some of the things I, I know you've told me before, you're like, a lot of times they just call back and they're like, he said Say no. Yes. And it's the end of the world. <laughs> yes. yes. So I, there's another thing I say, do as I say, not as I do. I brought the <laughs> workshop up over 50 times, five, zero people. Okay. I would not recommend that. Dr. Beam would not even recommend that, but sometimes I like to buck the system and that's what I did. Um, but every time I brought it up the same way over 50 times, mm. a lot of people, they'll bring it up one way. We'll saying, Hey, we can go for this reason. Or the next week they'll call their spouse and say, well, I'm going to give you grandma's China cabinet. <laughs> and then the next week it's, well, I'm going to give you the lake house. And every week they have like a new reason or right. like to, to encourage them to go. Well, if I was at their spouse, I would be sitting there going, what is about this workshop? Like it's, this is weird. Like they keep asking me to go for different reasons. Um, so be consistent. And it, this is an art, not a science, mm -hmm. um, as, just like so many other things here at Marriage Helper. So, you know, don't bring it up in, in, in the middle of an argument. Right. It's terrible key, time. Terrible timing. Um, but if they, if they say no, go, okay, no worries. Thank you so much for taking the time to hear me out. It was, wor it was worth mentioning. That's, that's how I would approach it. And there's other ways to say it, but that's mm -hmm. kind of my, my go-to. But it's okay. Um, they say no. They, they once loved you before, they can love you again. It, it takes time. And, and so it's, if they say no, then get back to the mindset of, okay, we still haven't established that they feel like I'm a safe place or what I'm sharing with them about the workshop is maybe true. Cause sometimes they're saying there's yeah. a catch, there's an angle. They're going to make yep. me do something at the workshop that you haven't told me. And so a lot of the time they're saying no out of fear, um, fear of the unknown. So just get back to, okay, they said no, so I'm just going to keep working on my pies and safe mm, places, mark contact, good. because we really have to have those things yep. established. Yep. That's so good. And even realizing, you know, if I'm approaching my spouse and trying to get them to go to the workshop with me, but I'm using reasons like, well, to save our marriage, when your spouse clearly doesn't want to save the marriage, yeah. don't say that. I mean, <laughs> you... <laughs> And this is also the other thing is I'm like, if your spouse came to you and said, guess what, honey, I found a workshop and it's going to get us help divorced in three days. You would be sitting there going, I'm not going to any workshop right. that's going to help us get divorced in three days. Right. So why would you say, let's go to a workshop yeah. that's going to help us have a turnaround? Yeah. You know, because they just shut down. Yeah. And, um, and again, it's just being neutral and mm -hmm. be honest and say, look, people go to this workshop for different reasons. Yep. And it's so, so important true. that you share that. I know we keep saying it. This is so important. It's so important. There's a lot of important things, people. Um, highlight, highlight, replay, um, soundbite. I mean, whatever it is, but being upfront and honest and saying people go to this for different reasons. Um, but right now my focus is us figuring out how to better communicate, mm -hmm. how to have better conflict resolve, um, you know, because of the children for yep. the children. Yep. Um, a lot of people, the, when a, a child has been very upset or mm -hmm. wounded mm -hmm. by what mom or dad did. And so the relationship is strained. A lot of people say, look, let's go to this workshop so we can help figure out how to repair the relationship with the kids or mm -hmm. little Johnny or whoever it is, or sometimes not little Johnny, big Johnny. Um, yep. 
but that is that has even worked and does help with those things. Absolutely. So absolutely, you have to come from it or come at it from different angles. Yep. And be open minded. Don't present your mission to them. Right. Be open minded to what they're needing at this time and wanting at this time. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amber, you're awesome. Thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it. I hope I get to come so back good. again some down the someday down the line. Oh, I'm but sure you will. I'm sure. I love you will. this topic, and I, I yeah. hate that we have to talk about it. Yeah. But it's. It's so necessary, and so many yeah. people want to know because it's 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 chaotic. It's it a is chaotic, chaotic, but it's not any different. So the situation you're using it for is different, but it's no different than parenting. Yeah, I mean, not just co-parenting, <laughs> parenting, but just regular parenting. Yeah, and hopefully one day we'll address some of those topics as well. So, yes, those will be super fun. But I mean, in, in when it comes to your family, when it comes to your relationship, and again, how we started the program, it's amazing to me how much research and time people will spend into what food should I eat? What exercise program should I do? All that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we they aren't researching, how do I have a great marriage? How do I be a great Absolutely. parent? I mean, these are, and these are the things that make differences. I mean, these are the reasons people end up having to go to therapy later in life. So we need to, let's work on those now. Um, And it, it just makes a huge difference when you're constantly learning, when you're constantly wanting to grow more as a mom, as a dad, as a wife, as a husband, it makes a difference in the quality of your relationship. It does. And one thing that a coach said to me or said recently, I can't remember where I heard it, but they said the two things we don't go to school for in life Mm -hmm. are marriage and raising children, yep. but yet they are the most, not just life-changing in your own family, but in the world, the yep. impact that you have and their decisions have on the world. And those are the two things that we don't get an education on. The only education we have is our parents and media, essentially, yep. um, and, and winking it. And I just don't want to leave my marriage or my children up to guessing. Yep, that's so good. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you, everyone who's listened. Um, Feel free to go to our YouTube channel, which we've recently launched and have a ton of new content on. You can find that at marriagehelper on youtube.com. Be sure to go back and listen to previous podcasts. Listen to the one last week that Amber did with Dr. Beam, which was so good. I learned even so much from it. It was awesome to listen to. But more than anything, if there's anything we can do to help you If you have questions about what we've talked about, questions about coaching, questions about our workshop, whatever that might be, we are real. We're available. You can call us. You can talk to a real human being. It's fascinating. But (laughs) we, we really do care so much about you, about your marriage, and And about your your children. Yes, we care so much about your family. We'll see you next week.